I wish I hadn't teased her about there not being an afterlife now. I think she wanted to believe in like heaven and angels and stuff. I hope she wasn't, I hope she wasn't scared. There are angels. They don't have wings and live in clouds. They wear nurses' uniforms and work hard to pay the rent on their houses. If you want to be an angel, you've got to do it when you're alive. Be good, do good things. Hi, everyone. Welcome to a very special episode of the Finger Guns podcast, where I talk all about afterlife with someone who has been in the afterlife. It's one and only Ethan Lawrence. Hey, man. Hello. Hello. How's it going? In, good, good, in good. The afterlife. The afterlife. You see what I did there? You see what I did there? I did a thing. <laughs> I've been to heaven and back, mate. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, how are things? Uh, things are going well, uh, Ross. Things are going well. How are things with you? You know what? Not bad. Not bad. I've had a, a nice few days off to oh, uh, see people and chill out and stuff. And, uh, yeah, I'm very glad that uh, we can finally uh, finally connect and and chat about afterlife and all just, sorts of things. What what a joy! What a, what yeah. a joy to be here to do this. Thanks, man. Uh, well, I'm going to start the way I start every other podcast. What are you playing at the moment? Uh, God, I've been playing so much Binding of Isaac: Repentance. Nice. I, I mean, I've, I I am a huge Binding of Isaac fan. Have been. It's been nearly ten years now, I think, since the original came out. And uh, Repentance recently got released on PlayStation 4, so I've been I've just been hammering that. Mm-hmm. I dread to think how many hours I've put in at this point. Really? And I've, I'm looking and I've got like I've I've got Persona 5 Strikers to play. I've got um, Pokemon Legends Arceus, 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 I believe. Uh, either way, um, <laughs> I've, I've got that sitting there. But I, no, I'll just fire up another, just do another Isaac run. Sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm very much like that. I picked up the Uncharted uh, Legacy of Thieves collection this weekend. Oh, yes. And um, been looking forward to playing that in shiny 4K. But I've been playing Among Us and Fortnite mostly today. In 4K? Or yeah, in shiny 4K. You, you dropped down yeah. for that. No, no, no. Playing all on my uh, PS5, thankfully. Um, oh, lovely. Uh, so, yeah, I do understand the backlog of games when you only play one game persistently over and over again. <laughs> the problem is, is that it, Repentance is so good. It's like, it's like a sure. whole new game. Mm. Like they've added yeah. so much they've got you again they've got me again and there <laughs> goes another clutch of hundreds of hours ah well i've heard um cat who's on the vignettes podcast he's currently playing uh pokemon legends hearing good things so jump into that soon i would uh i would suggest i think so i would need to be part of the conversation don't i indeed <laughs> indeed otherwise what are we really here for you know yeah we, we, we just have we, we all exist to have opinions on twitter i think that's the indeed that's the new watch word of the day. And Wordle, pretty much. And Wordle, it, yeah. <laughs> I tried that a couple of times, and I was like, oh, yeah, I'm bad at anagrams. <laughs> I had to mute it. It was driving me crazy. <laughs> um, I am one of those people that do it now on a daily, but I keep it secret, you know? I don't Keep it to yourself. Yeah. Yeah, I don't need to share my failures with other people. You know? <laughs> well, I'd hope it wouldn't be loads of failures. Well, it was like, there's just too many green boxes, you know? And I'm like, I, I worked it out eventually, but, you know, it normally takes me a little while to get there. See, I think, right, I think that getting two or below isn't actually impressive. You think? That's luck. Mm. Three. Now, yeah. that's, that, that's, that's the GOAT score, I think. Because <laughs> it, it suggests yeah. that there's been, there's been some working out, there's been some guessing. Mm. If you get it in one, you, you're lucky. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If you get it in two, you might have been lucky on one, but more likely on two. But three, that implies guesswork. Four, 
is a bore. I wouldn't mm. go for four. Five, staying alive, but still not great. And as for six, yeah. no, I was going to, no. I wasn't sure how, no. No, I'm not Oh, right. we lost it right at the end. Yeah. It's all right. I won't bag of dicks. There, there we, we go. go. You're a bag of dicks. <laughs> we can square on this podcast, right? <laughs> yes. Fuck yes, we can. Absolutely. Excellent. <laughs> um, have you heard of Loodle? Loodle? Hmm. What's, what's this now? Loodle this... is the naughty word version of Wordle. <gasps> My God. I will send you a link. And... Is, it, is it five letters still? Or... Yep. Exactly the same premise. Just just twats, dicks, boobs, etc. Okay. So lo- lots of pluralized four letter words. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> And bitch. I will say I got I, I tried that one day and I got it on my second go. So I don't know like what it says about like me. You discussed that. Oh, I don't like... know. I don't know. I don't know what it says about me. I got three letters on the first go. So oh, okay, I know what this is. And well, I lo and behold, with a narrower field, it makes it a, a, a touch easier. Like you know, if it's any potential five-letter word, that's yeah. a that's a broad spectrum. But indeed, when it's all slang, isn't it? With the stuff like Loodle, I will uh, I will send you the link if you want to go. It was created by Gary Witter of all people. Oh wow! Who, okay. Um, of course, if you don't know, uh, and, and you're listening, wrote um, well, Star Wars Road One, um, a Star Wars story, and just a, a monochrome of all sorts of different things. Um, so I don't know how he managed it. There we go. Um, yeah. So we are going to talk about Afterlife, of course. Um, if you are listening to this and you're yet to see the third season of Afterlife, go watch it. It will take you what three hours, probably less uh, than that. Shy of that, uh, they most of the episodes I think are twenty seven minutes long, so it should be just shy of three hours. Yeah, yeah, and it's obviously it's completely worth a watch. Go back and then come back to this podcast, have a listen, and we'll yeah, do, do make sure it. to come back to this podcast. Yeah, 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 yeah. through yeah, your grief. God. Yes. Oh my god, I will say I was talking to a friend of mine the other day about it, and I said, "Mate, the first five episodes, I'm laughing my head off all the way through because it's just genius. The sixth one, within two minutes, I was crying, and I didn't stop until the very end." It's a uh, it's, it's it's a lot. It's yeah. a lot to take in, <laughs> <laughs> tying up all those loose threads. I guess. Yeah. Can I ask in 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 that moment? You know, obviously you've worked you've you've worked and acted Ricky Gervais's writing for a while now. Um, are you still? Because people seem to be surprised that he can reach these emotional levels because he's such a he's such a funny sort of razor sharp comedian. Um, does it still surprise you sort of that he can go to these emotional depths? Do you think? Well, I think. Um, in order to make comedy good, you have to know about people. Mm. I think. I think that's sort of like that's kind of a basic sort of thing. Like if if you're so detached from how people live, talk, and what they do, it's really hard to find things that make it funny. Sure. Um, but I think in the same way, it does work the other way as well. If you've got the kind of insight into people that you can make them laugh, you can make them cry as well. It's two, it's two sides of the same coin. And so in that way, I think it's it's not so much a surprise that he, he can do it. It's the fact that he chose to do it. Mm-hmm. Because I think it would have been it would have been very easy, I I expect, to like, you know, churn out another award-winning <laughs> um uh, sitcom that's just funny all the way through. Yeah. Uh, but to have the bravery to take a risk and mm-hmm. walk that line between comedy and tragedy. And I hope people think he stuck the landing. Um, I certainly think he does. But then I would, wouldn't I? Well, maybe that's all right. Maybe I'm, I shouldn't I'm, ask I'm you. a biased artist uh, in that regard. But yeah, I mean, you know, David Brent is a tragic character, isn't he? And he's is it, it it's it's especially in stuff like Derek as well. Derek's so heartbreaking, even from the very beginning. But you know, I mean, there's a tragedy, I think, in all of these characters in a way. Mm. Like you know, it's um, 
because you know from, from tragedy you can find the funnies especially yeah. if like you know you have a tragic man in a funny world yeah sure like that tends to be um a really good way to create comedy because it, it it grates is the thing mm-hmm. like you know it's it, it's the locking of the mechanism where the where the comedy comes from um yeah. if everything was smooth all the time there's no friction of course yeah absolutely it was what was it an episode it was it was um penelope wilton's speech on the on the uh, bench the lovely bench oh my bench god the angels i mean yes yeah i wasn't ready for that at all that came out of complete left field for me See, if you'd seen the trailer, you would have known it was coming. Ah, oh, see, I didn't watch the trailer. It's one of those, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go in blind kind of things. I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a good way to be. Yeah. It's a good way to be. But yeah, that was the that was the um, the overscore on the trailer. Yeah. Oh, man. And, uh, it, was and uh, it, it, it really is. It's, um, and like I said, I think, it, you know, it, it takes a certain level of bravery to be that raw. Yeah. I can think you know, to actually sort of sit, sit with those sorts of emotions. Mm-hmm. I thought this is the guy that um, called Leonardo DiCaprio a pedo with the Golden Globes. Yeah, you know, right. The same so, guy. <laughs> <laughs> they call that in the industry range. Range, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, there's a ton of there's a ton of things I want to talk about, but um, the the main thing, and uh, strictly f- uh, for yourself, um, is I've re- I reached out to my friends on Facebook. I said, "Hey, here's a weird thing. I'm interviewing Ethan Lawrence today." Would you like me to ask any questions from Afterlife? And I swear to you, all of the questions were about you and a bath. Yep. And essentially working with David Neal and not completely losing your mind. How how do you get through those scenes? What is, how do you, I guess that's the question, how? There's an old filmmaking adage, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, that says that every cut is a lie. Uh, you know, the true cinema verite would be to have one long continuous take. Cinema verite. Uh, where we can sort of see, you know, everything. And we know that there's no level of artifice. Introducing a cut suggests an outside influence uh, and sort of a kind of authorial vision mm. uh, over what's going on. Sure. So the, how you get through a scene with David Earl is knowing that they can cut around you laughing. <laughs> David sure. Earl, excuse me. I yeah, I had it written down, but it's uh, stop. But yeah, it's a, it's it's dishonest for sure, but it's also not possible to do it any other way. Sure. Um, I mean, the outtakes uh, came out recently. Yes, I have seen them. Yeah. Yes, and um, I think you can see there how heavily I was featured in them. Number one, yes, which, says, uh, which 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 speaks to my level of professionalism, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, so that that end result is when David Earl's acting, all you can do is just sort of hang on and try not to laugh. And of course, yeah, I usually succeed in one of those things, which is you know just sort of being in there, mm. but not being. Ah, oh, he's so funny, is David? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's that. I mean, does Ricky just let him go, or is there is is any of that on the page? Uh, so generally what will happen is um, when we do a scene, we'll get, we'll ensure that we get one clean take of um, the script as written. Uh, so that it's there. So when it can, then comes to the edit, if they need it, then they've got it. Uh, and the rest of it is playtime. Um, this is especially applicable to actors like David Earl, like Colin Holt, who plays Ken, mm-hmm. uh, who are 
and uh, of course um, Ratty and the Nonce, uh, who are extraordinary uh, improvisers. And they'll usually be able to find something in there that will make Ricky laugh. And then the rest of the scene will then be built around that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I've, f- uh, for example, in episode six, um, when uh, Brian is in the stocks and I'm standing by in a jester's outfit, um, the script itself, uh, when Ratty and the nonce appear, didn't have any dialogue there. Right, okay. It was simply Ratty and the nonce abuse James. And so I looked what at that. A that, was sentence. Last, that's it. that was my last shooting day. And I was looking at that and I was like, oh, this is gonna be this is gonna be one, isn't it? I've just got to, I've just got to stand there and just have abuse hurled at me for like an hour. Fantastic. That's a great scene as well. Um that whole sequence right at the end. It's it's very nice to see all of you together. I remember asking you um a couple of years ago now on Twitter if you had ever met um Auntie, which of course is Tony's uh, Tony's dog. Um, who has his own IMDb page, I discovered the other day. Yes. Love it. Uh, I think she was on um, this morning as well the other day. As she should be. As she should be. Uh, and um, <laughs> The real has, star of Afterlife. Absolutely. absolutely. Um, has that changed in season three? Did you get to meet? Uh, yes. When we, uh, with the whole uh, Tampere Fair thing, like mm. near enough, everyone who has a, any kind of role was there at some point. That's how I was able to meet Auntie. Hey! And, um, uh, she's a good papa i don't know what mm. to tell you like um <laughs> I, I th- if you if you go and watch that um that this morning thing and they talk about just how how well trained these um these dogs who work on film sets and tv sets are yeah. like, it's absolutely extraordinary and uh oh she's, she's such a good papa <laughs> confirmed confirmed right here on the confirmed finger guns podcast <laughs> um okay let's talk about james because he goes he goes on a bit of a bit of a ride in this season, just a touch, so to say. Um, I was speaking to uh, a friend of mine again. Um, we were talking about afterlife, and you know, it was like, well, he's 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 kind of a failed actor. It's like, well, he's not a failed actor because he's never made it. Yeah, I've 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 I've, um, I've, I've fielded this question a couple of times myself hmm. uh, because um, you know throughout throughout my work on um, on the social media, letting people know that acting isn't that easy. Yes, you should um, follow. Um, you should follow Ethan on TikTok for acting slash life advice. It's spectacular. It's something. Um, <laughs> but a couple of people made the point that sort of like, well, when I talk about, um, I mean, there was a period in my life, um, twenty eighteen through twenty nineteen, where the acting work dried up, and so I went off to do pizza delivery for a while. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I've, I've spoken about that candidly on the TikTok, and so a couple of people were sort of like, so there are parallels between you and James. And um, my answer to that is, to a degree. But the key difference is I had seven solid years of being an actor before I had to leave it for a bit. James mm. never has and never will make it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he is a he is a failure, a living mm. failure. Yeah, it's it, it, reference. Uh, into this guy. This guy. <laughs> this guy. You're on the other Let's side of me. That the doesn't thesis work. Statement. This, this is guy. a video game podcast in a way. Yeah. In a way. <laughs> in a way. Even though we're speaking, we're speaking about afterlife now, but you know, yeah. I'm going to try and scatter these references throughout. <laughs> we keep doing spoiler specials about TV shows and movies, though, so we should. I don't know. There's a delicate, broad range. Let's let's, let's let's call it pop culture then. But I'm um, yeah, pop, pop culture. There you we'll go. We'll give I'll it. We'll it. give it a spicy video game scent as well. A, a chili sprinkle. I love it. I love it. So there's there's James, and he's moving out, and he's moving on with his life, kind of with. Um, with with Brian again, you've talked about 
those scenes. But um, were you, how were you with James's kind of story this season? Did you, um, did you expect that to kind of, he's not going to make it. So we just got to see how many places we can put the man. Well, see, I wasn't, I wasn't so sure what was going to happen uh, with series three um, because uh, after, after series two, where I, you know, in series one, I played, uh, when I played James, he wasn't even called James. He was called uh, recorder kid. Right. Of course. Yeah. Uh, sure. uh, so, so small was the part, <laughs> um, but then in series two, he was upgraded and we learned a little bit more about him. Uh, and I wasn't really sure where it was going to end up. I think, um, and this is a genuine truth, um, in Series 2, him and Brian Gittins didn't actually really communicate that much. But it just so happened that because we tend to be hanging around the newspaper office, we were mm. often paired together in the back of shot and we'd be doing something wacky back there. And then the infamous cake scene came about. Sure. And Ricky had the eye to spot that um, myself and, um, and I, hope, I hope David would agree, um, have um, uh, quite good chemistry. Mm-hmm. And so it seemed kind of, I, I suppose, an open and shut case that um, James and Brian would end up spending more time together in series three. Um, in terms of whether I was prepared for it, um, I honestly wasn't when I got the scripts through and I was like, holy hell, James has grown a backbone. Mm. Like, look, he's yelling and swearing <laughs> and like standing up for himself. Yeah. If you can imagine that. And so then when it, when it came to shooting, I, I found an extra level of steel that um, uh, I, he didn't have before in Series 2, where he was just sort of, you know, compliant and and chubby. <laughs> <laughs> Still chubby, but less compliant now, I think is the <laughs> Series 3 Roch word. That's a great scene as well, when when James lets him have it, you know. Um, yeah. There's, 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 there's real anger in your face. James is pissed off. Yeah, I mean, you, well, you would be if you were told that your next job would be going on to the Undateables. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> not, yeah. You're not right. as an acting exercise. <laughs> mm. Yeah, but it was it was it was yeah it was a side of James because even I thought when you know he announced that he was moving out I thought that was a big step for him obviously. Um and yeah it's the, by the end it's like I don't want you to be just a jester. You're a good guy. I want you to be more. <laughs> you can do it, man. That's just kind of, that's kind of the beauty of it. <laughs> but yeah, no, it is the beauty of it because you've got a. Uh, you know, in many ways, he's moved on. Like, you know, he's he's moved out. Yeah. Like, you know, he's finding his own independence. Like, you know, presumably a rent share with um with 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 Brian. Uh, <laughs> but in as much as he's moved forward, he's also stayed exactly where he is. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he's still in Tambury. So. He's still probably never going to leave Tambury. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that that kind of stasis is um is interesting as applied to sort of like the thesis of the whole show. Uh, in the sense that, like, you know, everyone seems to almost be running to stay in place. But no matter what, life always goes on. Yeah. And so while the future for James may not be the one that we hoped for, uh, getting yelled at by Ratty and the nonce while dressed as a fool, um, <laughs> at least life is going on, right? At least he gets to experience that. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's a hell of a costume as well. That's hell a hell of a costume. That Oh, beautiful. It was being, uh, when I, when we were doing the initial costume tests uh, for Series 3, um, and you you got to remember, this was at the, the tail end of the third lockdown okay, that we had. Yeah. It was around sort of April 2021, so I think we were just coming out of the time that we got shut down for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, costume department were, like, you know, really sort of rushing uh, because we had to rush to get this into production. 
and like I saw half of the full costume as it was being made. Like <laughs> I think it was just the top half. Right. And then gradually over the course of the shoot, I'd occasionally visit wardrobe and there'd be that and it'd be it'd come together a little bit more. Like there were bells now. <laughs> <laughs> like the hat was a bit wider in the brim. Right. And uh, uh the, the turn-ups on the shoes were even more exposed and then finally i mean uh, like i said um the tambury fair was pretty much the last bits and bobs that i did for the um uh, for the series mm. uh, so finally at the end i got to don the outfit uh i got to wear clothes on afterlife which was uh almost a a treat oh so uh, proud at a certain of point so proud <laughs> i was like oh he's wearing something finally great <laughs> <laughs> i think one of the other questions i got was um were you wearing shorts in the bath or was it did you go full method on that one? Uh, there's no point going full method. Sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's little need uh, mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, if if they had done that, if they had pointed the camera into the bath and then on the screen in front of 100 million people on Netflix uh, was my penis and my two testicles, mm-hmm. I do think it would be jarring. I do think it would affect the mood music of the piece overall. Sure. Uh, so we knew that we weren't going to film in the bath. So there was little point me exposing myself to 25 people on a set. Uh, so in answer to your question, Speedos, blue. Oh. Uh, and over that, some nude trunks. Nude trunks, eh? Uh, because the nude trunks, you can kind of, if it, if they do catch in the edit, you can sort of do a little bit of computer trickery to make it blend with the rest of uh, rest of my, um, my pins. Oh. Interesting. So yeah, that was that was it. And the, the weird thing about that is because um, so there were two separate bath scenes, as as people who have seen it uh, know. And if you haven't seen oh, yeah. it now, I I have I cannot express how difficult it is for me to believe that you're still here at this point. <laughs> yeah, what are you doing? Because this on, must get all out. be going over your head. <laughs> get out. Go watch it. <laughs> um, so there are two bath scenes. Uh, the first one uh, was plumbed in. Lovely, mm. nice, nice, lovely soak in front of all the crew and everything. Yeah. Yeah, gorgeous. Second one wasn't plumbed in. Uh, uh, it wasn't a real bathroom. So it was hose water uh, uh, topped up with kettle water. Ooh. Uh, you know, just to keep it above freezing. Sure. And um, the end result, um, and this is genuinely hard to explain. You know, when you go swimming, like yes. to the municipal swimming baths. Yes. And like, right, yeah. when you go to get changed afterwards, you're never quite dry, are you? No, I see what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you know, yeah. you're still sort of like, you know, I've done yeah. I've I've toweled off and everything like yeah, that. Yeah, you got the essentials done, but yeah. you're still not 100 percent But I don't feel like I've had the opportunity to really like, you know, get in there. Mm-hmm. So I still kind of feel a little bit wet. That's how that was for the rest of those days. Right. Oh, sort of like <laughs> I am I'm not I'm not entirely dry. And I <laughs> and I'm not sure how to deal with that. Oh man. Okay. Well that's that that's good. I was curious actually watching it. What, what the situation was like. Okay, good. I'm glad that, you know, there was nude trunks, at least in that situation. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, you know, I'm being I'm being facetious, but um, yeah. like every every show I've worked on where there's, you know, some kind of semi-nudity or some kind of exposure, like the, the crew um, and especially those in production work really hard to make sure everyone's comfortable and safe. Mm. And uh, it was true in this case as well. Like, you know, as I was, as I was preparing, it was a closed set, minimal crew. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, a big up to, um, to to the crew on that one. Is it a comfortable thing to do, like for you as an actor to do that, that kind of thing? 
I mean, it's, it's, it's never comfortable, but um, I abandoned my dignity by the roadside many years ago. So, <laughs> I mean, I, early, I mean, early doors. I mean, you go all the way back to the top of my career with bad education. Like by series two, I was in budgie smugglers jumping off a diving board. Yeah, I remember that well. And yeah. so, like, you know, when that happens in year one of your career, <laughs> you just know. I've had conversations with my agent where he, um, he, he'll ring me and they're like, he's like, yeah, there's a, there's some semi-nudity in this. You realise it's only you that gets these. And I'm like, how, <laughs> what, why? What is, what is it about my naked form that's so funny? And yeah, then I remember, it. yeah, because, because, because uh, you're chubby. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a fair question to ask, you know. I mean, it's a fair question to ask, but it's ask and answered, really. It's like, it's funny <laughs> when the, when the fat boy gets his bum out <laughs> for, the, for the telly. There we go. We've got that one answered now. Another aspect of the show I found really interesting. Thank you, Ross's was... friends. I hope that's covered. Okay. Um, Emma and Tony's uh, relationship in Afterlife is, especially particularly in season three, I think as a viewer, there's always that part of you that goes, I don't really want to see them together because Tony is obviously still very much in love uh, with someone that obviously he can't be with. I mean... For you, was that was that the right decision to kind of see if there was something there between them, or or maybe not? Because it, it, in terms of what I felt, I felt that Emma was never going to be enough for him. I don't know if you agree with that. Uh, I think to a certain extent. I mean, there there are a couple of key scenes I think that are very important to study uh, in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, chief among which the um, the scene where they go around uh, Matt's house. Uh, and there's that excruciatingly awkward scene that is so difficult to watch. And then later on, when they sort of reconcile in the pub uh, a few episodes down the line, and she says that she's, you know, met an old flame. And like, you know, there's sort of the, the things there. Um, I think it is, I think it was absolutely the right decision. I don't think there was a path for Tony that would lead to happiness with someone else. Uh, and I think the the story that they ended up choosing and the story that um, ended up getting told that he's never going to get over Lisa and that's fine. Yeah. I think it's a much more realistic way of looking at grief than sort of like a kind of almost manufactured happily ever after mm-hmm. because it would have been manufactured. Like, you know, we've seen what Tony's gone through over the last two seasons. And so if there was a vault face in series three and he's like, oh, I'm fine now then the, yeah. the thesis of grief as being an ongoing thing would would be lost. I've said mm-hmm. thesis a lot today. I don't know. I love it. That's not a word of the it. day, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. That could be the wordle for today, actually. I don't know. Oh, no, we can't. It's six letters, isn't it? It won't be a wordle. <laughs> it won't be a wordle, guys. Let's all move on. Forget about that. I'm okay. Thesis. <laughs> Just take yes off. <laughs> Word does not welcome. Ah, damn, it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> At least it doesn't count as a guess. No. Um, yeah, so that was interesting because, you know, what I found, there was no, I don't know if it was just me that picked up as it, but there was no attempted suicide scenes for Tony in this series. No. I don't know if that was intentional or we can look into that, that he is, he's past wanting to die and just looking forward in a sense, but he's had to, he's had to live through season three in order to understand why. Uh, I, I would agree to a certain extent. Um, I think even though it's sort of kind of like a trite psychological thing at this point, and you know, sort of it, it acts as a framework, but sort of, it doesn't really exist in terms of science, the, the stages of grief. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think we saw levels of uh, denial 
and anger in series one uh bargaining in series two and then hey we are in series three or i think we finally reach acceptance mm-hmm. uh you know what what a psychologist would call a catharsis in a way uh and so i think i mean i mean you know again this is my personal reading on it i um, yeah it's it's uh I, I know as much as the next man, to be honest with you. I just no, and that's why I'm asking. I wanted to see like your your take on it, really. For sure. Um, but um, yeah, I, I if you're looking at it in those terms, I would suggest that it is he's he's found acceptance mm. in that way, and so there's no need for him to end his own life if he's able to carry his grief with him. Yeah, and I think that ties into, and I'm sure I'm sure we'll get to. It. I'm not sure if we want to tackle it now or sort of like you know as as a, as a cap on it. But what leads to that final shot uh, as he walks away from the fair, yeah. uh, which to me acted as a knowledge that, you know, life does go on no matter what. At least that's how I interpreted it. There's, I mean, there's been plenty of people who have asked sort of like, oh, does that mean he's dead? But I feel mm. like that's bringing a very literal interpretation to a metaphor, which isn't, um, is, isn't the way to be, I reckon. But I mean, you know, that's not to say that their interpretation is wrong. It's just not how I view it. No, I mean, it's open-ended, isn't it? And I was going to ask about your thoughts on the ending and um, where, where where you stand on that. And that's a very interesting way of looking at it. I don't, I think I need to watch it again. I don't really know where I am with it. Purely because at that point I was like, <laughs> but <laughs> I need to, yeah, I need to watch that again. You could see the fucking play and it's like, oh God, <laughs> it was devastating. Um, Oh, he's got a he's got a new dog for Dan. It's like oh man, uh, it all it was all broken. But yeah, that's that's really interesting because I have seen, you know, people's theories on what that is. And I mean, if it is death, it was very sad when Auntie disappeared, for sure. <laughs> Didn't need you know for them like, like the well the yeah. Dog to go I mean, oh, obviously, the dog would go first, but it was um yeah. That's not how I read it. I read that he was just you know. Moving on with his life, I guess. I mean, that's the thing. It's, it's it's a long view thing, right? Like we we see as well that the um the colors of the leaves on the trees change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you know, it's you know, it's a it's a visual signifier of time moving on, of life moving on, and you know, eventually, you know, the dog will die, he will die, but at the end of it all, there's still going to be people in Tambry. Tambry's still going to be a town. Sure. And you know it's it's still going to go on, and I think mm-hmm. that that's at least like I said, it's 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 my interpretation of essentially life going on, no matter what you do. Yeah, and yeah. you can either you can either, you can accept it or you cannot accept it, but it's going to happen either way. For sure. Yeah. So you might as well um, might as well have some fun on the way. Uh, talking of fun on the way, I need to know that scene, which includes Taxi Driver the musical. I don't know how you got that scene on film. I know you kind of explained it earlier, but that is a magical piece of television. Well, again, it's 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 the genius of Colin Holt. Um, mm. the, the Taxi Driver the musical was not in the script. Oh my god, that's amazing! Like the the the, the tale of that script is um, essentially uh, Brian going because uh, he he says you know I'm I'm an actor director um, you know professional, mm. and Brian essentially going oh, oh what have I seen you in anything good? And essentially, that was the out. Uh, but you let Colin Holt run, and he'll he'll run. <laughs> so uh, the end result is that we have this glorious thing uh, where he's he's just let off he's just let off the chain. Mm. And um, so he starts singing, and you can see it in the outtakes that, like you know, 
he's he's flying by the seat of his pants, but eventually the whole thing is pieced together. And then once again, every cut is a lie. Sure, of course, yeah. So as we're swinging round and seeing the reactions and everything like that, that's to hide the fact that someone's cracked up. Uh, we're trying to get it clean. I mean, we get a t- nice tight in on Collins so no one else is there, and he can just sing away, bang, bang, etc. <laughs> um, yeah, it's... It's a really fun set, is sort of what I'm getting sure, at. Sure, of course, yeah. Oh my god, it looks it, it looks it, it looks it, especially with you know, I I mean I've obviously I've never met Ricky Gervais, but I can imagine that Ricky Gervais, the man, um, as opposed to Ricky Gervais, the the A-list, you know, the A-list superstar, is a very different person. For sure. Mm. Like, and as as a as a director, like he's so efficient and economical. Because, uh, like, we need to have the time to be able to play. And, like, being yeah. the not only star, but director and uh, writer, he knows exactly what kind of coverage he needs to get. And so there's no faffing around with different departments needing to talk to each other to set up some stuff. Everyone's going in there knowing it's going to be cross coverage. We're going to get all of the sound wide. And then if there's any specials, we'll pick them off later. Uh, it, famously, he likes to finish early. Of course. Yeah, um, yeah this is. A, I, th- I think it, it's one of those uh, chat show things that anyone who has worked with Ricky trots out mm. <laughs> um, uh, on the on the sofa when they say, "Oh yeah, he likes to finish at four. He really does like to finish at four. <laughs> um, great. Uh, which is fantastic. But like the fact that he's able to hold those two almost opposing bits of information, mm. there should be lots of play, and we need to finish at four. <laughs> and the fact that we still get that consistently done is 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 testament to his directorial skill, I would say. For sure, because there's that bit in the uh, the outtakes after Taxi Driver the musical, where he just sort of like, I don't know what to do now. That that that, that seems to have completely stumped him. Uh, I don't know what happened, but it was like he wasn't yeah, expecting that's, that that's to happen. A common refrain. <laughs> it's it's a common refrain that we hear often, mm. uh, which is like you know. I mean, I can only speak from my personal experience of Series 3, which is a lot of that was with David R. And so, like, he'll say a thing, and it'll be like, what? What what, what are we supposed to do with that? We obviously can't put that on television. Like... (laughs) I think possibly the best example was the ones that did end up in the outtakes, uh, where he's doing the long speech about how he made a porn with his ex-wife and Rolly Carter. And he he has the improvised line where he, <laughs> he says, "Look, she was looking up at me, pure ecstasy, laughing, and coming." It's like, yeah, no, you couldn't put that on the telly. I don't think it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's too much, isn't it? And that's why it's on YouTube, ladies and gentlemen. That's why, that's why, why it's on YouTube. Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's crazy. Um, in terms of in terms of Netflix, this might be a weird question, but in terms of Netflix, kind of being the 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 keys to the kingdom as it were um as an actor is it is it different for you to work for someone like the bbc than it is to work for netflix do you see a difference or is it just a job it's it's just a job honestly i yeah. mean a lot i think a lot, a lot of the different things would happen at a production level uh which um i i do not have the keys to the kingdom to sure um you know for me i'm a, you know I'm, I'm essentially uh and I've, I've talked about this on the on the tiktok as well i'm essentially a self-employed freelance con for hire mm-hmm so, you know, it's, it's a smash and grab raid for me. And in addition to that, it's, I guess, to a degree, it's sort of difficult to compare because it's been it's been a minute since I did a work for the BBC. 
and in the interim there's been a pandemic yeah. uh, which has obviously really affected how like, like the, the the nature of sets the the conduct that we have to abide to on sets which is you know is absolutely fair enough of course, yeah. uh, but it is it is a different atmosphere yeah. uh netflix in that regard were very very good um you know we were shooting i think the whole shoot was seven weeks and we didn't have a single breakout case wow wow that's amazing uh, um which is you know given some of the horror stories i've heard is quite remarkable yeah it's absolutely fair play to them like it's uh you know they ran a tight ship and um because i mean at the end of the day they've, they've netflix have, have sunk a lot of money Mm. into in, in into ricky and into afterlife uh so it makes sense that they don't want to have any delays i guess no of course yeah absolutely absolutely yeah what was the um the COVID procedure like was it you testing every day wearing wearing masks offset and things like that uh yeah so we had um, we had two um tests a week um potentially three if you were in for the whole five days mm. um it would be masks um whenever you're not like actively on set uh, it was separated out into red, amber, and green uh, zones in terms of who was there. Green are people who don't need to be on the set at all. So that's your production offices, um, you know, various people stuck in um, production trucks or not even anywhere near. Mm-hmm. Uh, amber would be people who are on standby, people operating monitors, producers, um, members of the makeup and hair team who can keep distance and then red is essentially director camera technicians camera people um makeup and hair who are on the set and the actors us okay gotcha um so you know it was it was all demarcated everything was safe like you know the the different colored groups tended not to mingle or socialize um but yeah like so you know it was it was, it was tough and very different but you know fortunately the the set is like the the set atmosphere uh which is obviously always trickles down from the top right Mm. it's a you know it's a pyramid structure in that regard Uh, and the fact that ricky was able to keep it light still despite all of the technical um hold-ups and hitches that are a necessary part now of shooting in the new normal Mm -hmm. oh interesting i've always been curious because obviously you don't see on screen everything looks very no it's it's all very well hidden (laughs) Yeah. yeah yeah that's fascinating um, do you have any favorite scenes? Any favorite James moments from season three? Um, I really did. I, I think the two key ones for me, um, and one well, we've, we've touched on both, but one in particular, uh, were the two scenes where I got an opportunity to really let loose. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's bath scene one and uh, the scene in episode five where I let Ken Otley have it uh, mm-hmm. for trying to send me on the undateables. Um, you know, as 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 an actor, it was nice to be able to have the opportunity to really sort of like let the inner passion out, because mm-hmm. uh, quite often I play kind of low key, low status characters. Uh, so it was it was quite a different feeling to be able to like command a room and be like, right, listen here, I've got yeah. ideas. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think for me those those two scenes uh, for James were really fun to do, and um, I think uh, I opened up James as a character for me. Yeah, completely. Um, yeah, I love that scene. It's brilliant. I was really rooting for James at that moment. Like I said, like, come on, <laughs> come on, my son. son. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> fucking wanker, fucking let him out. Of fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Um, what about scenes that you that you weren't in? Were there moments that kind of hit you? Apart from the whole of episode six, of course. Like I like it. Hit no, I'm not allowed to choose the whole of episode six. Absolutely not. That was mine. <laughs> choose another one. <laughs> We're not allowed to have a shared experience. 
Okay, yes, you can choose okay, that as well. So I would say... <laughs> um, I've, I've lost track of what I was thinking of. Uh, Tim Key. Let's talk about Tim Key. Yes, let's talk about Tim Key. Uh, Fuck me, what a scene. scene. With um, him and Diane Morgan uh, playing Kath. Elbows oh off the my table. God. That's it. Elbows oh off the God. table. What a wanker. <laughs> I remember when we were doing the read, and this was this was over Zoom as well. Mm. And like the the sort of palpable ooh, mm. every time Tim Key said something, and he's such a lovely man in real life, but in that scene, he is such an asshole, and he plays it so well. It's excruciating. Yeah, that's a great scene. That's a, oh yeah, I, well, I wasn't expecting to see Tim Key. I was like, oh yeah, it's Tim Key, and he was just a dickhead. It's and one it was of the like, nice man. things about Afterlife as well is that occasionally someone will pop up that you weren't expecting. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in a in a in a side role or in one of the roles where um, you, generally it's when they go out um, uh, on the newspaper fact finding missions. Sure, uh, the classic take a picture scenes, um, of which there are a fair few in this um, that, were, <laughs> that were that were excellent fun. I mean, it's such a great cast as well i assume at this point you know um, ricky gervais can just call up and people go yep let's do it and well, i've i've, I've this, this won't be the first time i've spoken about this on a, on a podcast but one of the things that um ricky is uh low-key the best at and the thing that people don't talk about uh is how good he is as a casting director sure. like we know we know that he's a good comedian we know that he's a good actor we know he's a good writer and director uh, but as a casting director he's peerless because as we know he likes to finish early. <laughs> so he doesn't want to like waste time, um, you know, having to direct an actor all the way through the scene. Mm-hmm. So what he'll do is he'll pick people that he either knows or has seen something in, uh, which is, uh, you know, not to buy my own horn, but that was the case for me. Uh, and knows that he can just let us loose and that we'll, we'll, we'll deliver the goods. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's why, you know, as, as a cast, it seems so cohesive and good is because he picks people that he knows the strengths of and then can let them just play to those strengths and like the weaknesses aren't the worry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, uh, like Paul K from seasons one and two, you know, as the therapist, I thought yes, he was exactly. fantastic. You know, um, there was, there were a few missing people this time around. Um, yes. Roisin Connerty wasn't, wasn't around. Yes. Uh, I'm not, um, I'm, I'm not up and up on the entire comings and goings of some of them. Uh, some of them I do know. Uh, so um, Mandy Dillon, who played um, Sandy, uh, yep. who obviously uh, went missing, um, she's um, uh, in the states uh, shooting CSI. Oh, okay. Well, good for her. Well done, Mandy. Well, that's that. That's it. It, it may have been possible to do both. Were we not in a pandemic? A pandemic, of course. Yeah. Um, it might have been possible, but you know, we never. You know, we'll never know now. Uh, as for the others, uh, again, sort of. I don't know. Tell me nothing. I just, I just, <laughs> I just show up and get in a bath. Of course, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hi, Ethan Lawrence. He'll turn up and get in a bath for you. He'll get, get in a bath for money. <laughs> for money. <laughs> Put the money in the bath. Just do it one by Why one. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> I'm suddening myself down with coin. I get paid in coins. I put like gold coins, like pirate coins, <laughs> doubloons. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I've been playing Uncharted, so pirate coins are. Way in my head right now. Speaking of video games. Yeah, talking of video games. <laughs> what's your favorite game of all time, Ethan Lawrence? Final Fantasy Nine. Nine? Interesting yeah. choice. It's the best one. Oh. It is. Is it? 
Yeah. Is it? Mm. It's got a levity and a lightness of touch that's missing from your your, your sevens. Mm. See, I I, I, I don't I don't count seven as the best of all time. Ooh, okay. No. Um, really more of a seven remake kind of guy. No, see, I haven't honest. played that yet. So maybe ah. my mind can be changed. Uh, but Final Fantasy IX has been my favourite game for 20 years. So it's difficult to sort of see a change at this point. Mm. Seven Remake is the only one that I've ever played. Ah, I should argue. I <laughs> um, so when people say, hey, what's your favourite Final Fantasy? Seven Favourite by default. Yeah. Yeah, I know, I, it's it's a big bone of contention for everyone at Finger Guns that I've only ever played Seven Remake. But um, I played it and I absolutely fell in love with it. So it's a... Um, now I've got to do that thing where I've got to wait now for the rest of Final Fantasy VII Remake to come out. While you're waiting, might I suggest Final Fantasy IX? <laughs> you can pick it up idea. cheap on PS4, Xbox, and uh, and Switch if you're interested. It may be uh, on it the comes older. with all the speed up gubbins um... uh, if, if you don't feel like playing the thing. Uh, but I highly hmm. recommend it. I play it at least once a year. Nice. So... It's 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 a, it's a wonderful game. I, I love it, it so much. It may be my uh, it may be on PlayStation or Game Pass actually. Let me double look. I know I mean, like, if, some if of you're the able to get hold of it, do like if, if there's an if you have the opportunity, I would say absolutely go for it. You'll be swept away. Hmm. Are you a console player or a PC player? Console. Hey. Um, Finally, uh, we're a dying breed these days. It would seem. It, it does feel that way in a way. Mm. Um, but no, I've I've never had um like a home computer powerful enough to have that and i've never been able to really justify the expense um uh, i mean i'm i'm generally fine i mean like i've mentioned ps4 a few times i don't i don't have a ps5 i'm sitting quite comfortably in the previous generation at the minute yeah i think um i I think it's perfectly fine to do so right now uh, especially with the with with the scarcity of the current generation Mm -hmm. consoles the fact that the you know the pandemic has pushed a lot of key titles back yeah I sort of think to myself, the PS5 is probably not going to be worth a damn until it's three-year anniversary. Yeah, yeah, that's a fair point. Yeah, by We've... which time we'll have God of War Ragnarok, we'll have Horizon Forbidden West, yeah. like, you know, all of the big Sony exclusives. But they're both out on PS4 as well. So that's the, uh, that's the weirdest thing. That's the thing, right? Yeah. And I yeah. wonder, I hope that it's not a case where the limitations of having to port it to PS4 means that the output for the PS5 is reduced. Sure. That but you never can tell these days, can you? No, I mean, I think obviously there's there's an enormous base on PS4, and it makes sense for these games to come out there um, from a financial business standpoint. But uh, yeah, Ratchet and Clank was the only one I think currently of their exclusives that was PS5 exclusive, and it, you can really tell. You know, it shows on every single second of that game. Um, and so to see a God of War or, or a Horizon with that much power behind it, without having to at least be powerful for a PS4 it is an exciting thing, but I think we're a few years away. Possibly. And I mean, the, the I mean, the industry itself is going through such ructions at the minute, what with um, Microsoft acquiring ActiBlizz. Yeah. And uh, Ubisoft being really insistent about these NFTs now. Mm. Yeah, it's pretty scary, isn't it? It's, just, it's, it, it's a weird time. You can listen to our uh, Microsoft yeah, Just Bought Activision Blizzard podcast right now. It's in your feed. Go and check it out. <laughs> Gotta drop that in there while we're talking about it, you know. So, so yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's crazy times. Um, Son of the Hedgehog Two is my favorite game. Oh, um, great choice! 
Yeah, I, lo- I love the way you frame that as well. Sonic the Hedgehog 2, thank you for asking. Um, <laughs> sorry, I, I got distracted. I am interested. I'm, I know it says special guest Ethan Lawrence on the wow. on the pod thing, but damn. You know what I mean? Just remember where you come from, wow. Lawrence. Sorry. Wow. <laughs> wow. Oh, ooh, okay, you're going to big dick me like that. I see. <laughs> Yeah, it's just it's just any chance I have to talk about um, Sonic Two, I will. So, it's the one first of those... ever Sonic game I played was, funny enough, Sonic Three and Knuckles. Wow, that would have, that must have been confusing. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> is it? I mean, the, the plot's relatively simple. No, in terms of <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> was it in the cartridge? In the cartridge, or because like it was? Uh, was... This was funny. <laughs> Because there was Sonic 3, and then it had the thing you could, and Sonic and Knuckles, you could put in the old Sonic games, and Knuckles would be added then to those games. You're going to call me a hypocrite now, but I actually had it in a disc pack on a PC. This guy. It was uh, it was pretty much near enough the only game on PC I think I ever had. Right. Mm. Uh, outside of Lemmings Paintball. I don't know if you remember that. I don't remember Lemmings Paintball, no. Well, so that, that was mm. the two games I had on the computer. It was, it was Sonic 3 and Knuckles and Lemmings Paintball. <laughs> Fantastic, <laughs> but yeah, so, so yeah, it, I never experienced Sonic Three on its own. It's always been and Knuckles. Oh, that's that. That's that is interesting. Yeah. So you I wonder if I lost Sonic... anything from that experience. Have you played Sonic Three as Sonic? Uh, yes. Okay. I, was, okay. I, I played that game to death. So mm. I've, I've I've done it all. I've done it with Sonic. I've done it with Tails. I've done it with Knuckles. I've done it with Sonic and Tails. Cool. You name it. I've, I've I've been through it. Yeah, man. Sounds like it. Oh, you've been through the ringer. Sonic 3 is not easy either. It's not It's not the easiest <laughs> of Sonic games by any means. Ringer, because of rings. Yay! <laughs> Ricky, you know where I am, man. Just call me. Go over there whenever you like. He's writing a sitcom about video games as we speak. Oh, it's that sort of content. <laughs> it's about time. It's about time, to be honest. There's not enough video game content on TV. You know? <laughs> that actually really isn't. No, there really isn't. It really isn't. Did you watch the remake of Games Master that was on Channel 5 or 4? I, I haven't, and I probably should, right? No, no, it was awful. Okay. I, <laughs> I mean, it's it's fine for nostalgic purposes. You know, if you if you know Games Master, you understand what they're referencing in certain things. And Trevor McDonald's big head isn't going <laughs> to... You know, if, if you're new to it, that's not going to make any sense. You leave Trevor McDonald's big head alone. I'm just saying, I love Trevor McDonald. He he is the Don, but it's like, why is it a big head? Why is he not just there? You know, if I was watching it as a new viewer, I would have these questions. But mm. well, I mean, it, it could, could be a COVID thing. Maybe you know, you know it's, maybe have, you have less physical presences on set, so we'll just have Trevor McDonald just record these bits from a little booth somewhere else. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, what games are you looking forward to in uh, 2022? We got it's a big year for releases. This one, I think it's absolutely enormous. Um, so Elden Ring, obviously, awesome. um, which is soon, isn't it? It's, it's yeah, end of February, end of February, yeah, end of February, yeah, yeah. So that's that, that's huge. Um, uh, I am looking forward to um, Horizon Forbidden West, uh, which is coming out this year. I don't know if I'll play it this year because I think I'd want to get a PS5 first, mm. um, but really looking forward to that. Uh, gosh, what else is coming out? I'm struggling to think. I mean, there's there's a small chance God of War Ragnarok will be this year. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, we've got 
I mean, Xbox is killing it again this year with all sorts of things. Um, Game Pass is becoming, you know, essential more than anything. Uh, I'm really thinking, I mean, I, I know I'm speaking about PS5 releases and exclusives and everything like that, but mm. this may well be the generation that I hop back to Xbox. It's it's a no-brainer at this point, if, yeah. e- even if just for Game Pass. You know, I've got, yeah. a, I've got a Series S and haven't bought a single thing for it. I've got Game Pass as a subscription. That's all you need. It really is. My, my console history is PS1, PS2, Xbox 360, PS4. Um, um, yeah. Xbox 360 was entirely down to me wanting to play Dead Rising. Of course, yeah, absolutely. Uh, because the thing is, I'm I'm a, I'm I'm more interested in in the game mm-hmm. rather than the console, yeah. and so I'm I I don't have the sort of console loyalty <laughs> that no. is that, that is necessary. I'll follow where the games go. It's why I love my Switch so much because oh, uh, awesome. great stuff on there. Yeah. Uh, what's out? They got Kill the Justice League maybe out this year. The new Suicide Squad game. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, Tiny Tina's Wonderlands, if you're into Borderlands, of course. I, I played the first one, I think. <laughs> I don't oh, remember Hogwarts, much about it. Hogwarts Legacy, I think, maybe out this year. They're only an hiring on that, it seems like, because at one point mm. it was this year, then they were saying they were going to push it, and then they're saying it's back. So who knows? Yeah, it's either way, it's a crazy year. And uh, even in February, February is only is Elden Ring and Horizon Bird West within a week of each other. I mean, it's kind of wild. I think a lot of people are going to have to make some decisions, right? Yeah, I think so. I think I'm going to pass on Elden Ring for a little while because uh, Aloy, Aloy has my heart. Oh, bless her. Yeah. <laughs> and also, I'm very scared of Bourne games, like Dark Soulsy games. So yeah, I, I I was for a long time. It was it was Dark Souls three that finally broke the uh, the the camel's back for me. I finally nice. finally broke through, and I was one with the dodge roll. <laughs> and suddenly it all made sense people say that people say that that, that like um I, I i got into one suddenly it just it just kind of like clicks in your brain how these games work and suddenly you're like oh well i've played dark souls one two three i played bloodborne i played sekiro i've got them all down now because of that, that one moment where the souls games make sense for you as a player that was exactly it and I, I i could feel i normally i i I'd get to a certain point in a Souls game and then was just like, I, I can't do it anymore. I, I can't keep banging my head against this brick wall. Mm. Uh, but the, the breakthrough moment was Dark Souls 3 where I finally beat the Abyss Watchers. And I was like, I can do this. I can. I can do this. And I ended up completing it for the first time and then picking up Bloodborne again and being like, right, well, what, can I do, what can I do with you then? <laughs> Let's if fucking be- go now. Let's if do I this. can beat three which they say like the speed of it increased in large part due to the success of Bloodborne. Mm-hmm. If I can match that speed in Bloodborne, I think I should be fine. And I flew through it. Wow. That's amazing. And it ended up being one of my favorite, one of my favorite games of all time because of it. Whereas before I'd tried and tried and tried and failed every single time. Mm. So I'm, I'm assuming a PS5 remaster would, would sell you on a PS5 of uh, Bloodborne. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if a remaster would, or a remake. Is it really remake? A remake? Maybe, but I mean, mm. do you want to touch it? Like, I jumped on it on when well, I got my PS5. Of course, it was part of the PlayStation Plus collection, which is a bunch of games from the PS4 era you can play if you signed up to PlayStation Plus. And Bloodborne was one of them. I was like, right, I'm gonna fucking do it now. I'm gonna finally sit down and see what this is all about. And I jumped in, had a good time. But the the visuals have really suffered in a few years. 
Right. You know, Bloodborne was an early PS4 game. It's been seven or eight years since that thing came out, I think. Something like that. 2015, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, that's a long time ago. That's near the start of the PS4 generation. And it's 30 frames. So I'm like, mm, seven years later, it needs needs a shiny update. I've I've never been much of a frame guy. but You say that until you see it. (laughs) Because I was the same. With um yeah, with, this is what this is what people tell me. With Spider Man, um, I played it on I played and completed it on PS4, then got the um the upgrade for the PS5, and I realized I could play it in 60 frames and I, I can't do it any other way now. <laughs> Fair enough. That's that, that's just it. The difference is so immediate and so apparent straight away that you're like, well, that's it. Every I'm just game must be 60 frames. 60 frames per second will just be too fast for my little brain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I suppose if you are used to that kind of mathematical way of moving uh due to that speed yeah it would be it would, it would maybe it would throw people off i'm not sure yeah that's I'm interesting just point, splattered actually. by father gascoigne as soon as i yeah. start <laughs> frame rates <laughs> <laughs> maybe they'll maybe they'll offer you an option like 4k resolution but 30 frames a second who knows 30 frames a second for father gascoigne only yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm not sure i could I am, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely going to be a fucking snob about it. I'm, I'm not playing Bloodborne again until there's a 60 frames update because I'm that guy now, unfortunately. Right. I'm right. that guy. I'm that guy, all right? If anyone asks, I'm that fucking guy now, okay? <laughs> you got here first. Yep. I'm surprised that hasn't been done already. It's really bizarre to me. They must be holding it back for something. God knows, God knows. Maybe a Bloodborne too, who knows? Maybe. I mean, I always thought it weird that like Bloodborne was the only PlayStation exclusive of the Soulsborne series mm. and they seem to be hanging on to it with like a death grip yeah so i thought i thought Sekiro was going to be for for the, for the longest time but then the next one's got a version of it so it's um it is strange i i would imagine there's probably one i mean i, I suppose demon souls the remake of demon souls is, is, is exclusive isn't it because bluepoint did that for the ps5 launch yes yeah so, yeah no, you're quite right you're quite right mm. so yeah i reckon there'll be another exclusive from software sort of game on the way there must be Elden Ring's everything, isn't it? It's everything apart from the yeah, Switch. Yeah. yeah, yeah, everything but the Switch. And it looks, it looks fun. I mean, I'm not. Again, I said I, I don't play these games, but it looks accessible. I guess is the word. Um, if if you're not a player of these games, Elden Ring looks like something that you could use as a platform to getting into those games. At least that's what you know. The hardcore people on our on our podcast, like Miles and Greg, who played these games religiously, they're like, yeah, Elden Ring looks like my first Souls game. As they say. <laughs> well, I mean, that's it. I mean, obviously, obviously, the proof of the pudding will be in the eating. Yeah. Uh, but you know, if it is an entry point, then good. Like more mm. people should play these games. They're great. Sure. And I think, sure. I think I think they're almost a victim of their own advertising in a way. Mm. Like when he, when the whole thing sort of came about, and it was like, you know, you died, die again, die, 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 die. Like it's sort of a negative reinforcement thing. And like, there's such, there's so much in there that's great, and I love them. Like, yeah. so I, I want more people to be able to play them is the thing. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And um, yeah, the multiplayer as well. So if you need a hand, you can always call in a buddy, I suppose. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, well, Ethan, we've gone off track somewhat, but I'm very happy that we did because <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> it, it, it turns this into a video game podcast with a bit of extra afterlife in it, <laughs> uh, which that's uh, it. Which I do. The sprinkling of afterlife. Lovely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, thank you for having me. This was so much fun. I'm glad you've enjoyed it. Um, this is, of course, the Thinking Arts Podcast. Don't forget, every single Tuesday, 
we drop an episode or talking about the week's video game news. If you really like what we do, why not follow our Patreon for one dollar a month? You can keep this podcast very live on its various podcast hosting services and keep the website nice and shiny. Look out for a brand new episode every Tuesday. And of course, specials just like this. Ethan Lawrence will be on every single one, even if he's not in the show. We're just going to stick in around now. I'm sorry about that. There's nothing we can do about it. He won't go. But that's I, I all right. work for finger guns now. Yeah, he's very helpful. He's very helpful. <laughs> I'm employed. <laughs> indeed. Um, yeah, Ethan, thank you very much indeed, sir. Uh, cheers. Thank you for your time. I, I had good fun. I don't want you to worry. Don't worry about me. Just worry about you, yeah? Be, be happy. Be kind. Be Tony. Thank you.